what are you wearing right now? Is it a shirt? Maybe some trackies? Maybe it's some designer clothing if you're lucky. What about the bag you're carrying? Is that high-end or did you have to sell a kidney to buy it? Is it even real and how do you know? Could you even spot a counterfeit? Fake fashion is big business, make no mistake, and tonight's foreign correspondent reveals it's also linked to organised crime and funding everything from terrorism to human trafficking. Journalist Naomi Severatnam has uh, been leading this investigation. She joins me in the studio. G'day. Hello, Andy. What is fake fashion? I mean, I'm not held up as a sartorial uh, leader, so, um, I mean, it's it's obviously mainly high-end brands, or, or is it? It is. I mean, look, it can cover a whole range of things. Basically, if you want a fake, you can probably find it for just about anything and everything from car parts right down to clothes, as we've talked about in the show. But it... This particular program, we've kind of focused on fashion exclusively because it's the biggest target of the counterfeiting industry because there is so much money in it. And the fakes can range from being incredible quality right down to absolute, you know, crap that you would get in Bali, for example. I was in Thailand with my family uh, last year and we were going around the markets and it's just amazing how much stuff is is fake. And it looked like all the shop vendors were going back to the same shipping container to pull it out and they were selling them in individual kind of stalls. So I'm assuming most of it comes from China, but would that be an assumption? No, that's spot on. In fact, so China is by far the biggest exporter of fakes and then it's closely followed by Hong Kong and then Turkey, which in the last few years has become a massive manufacturer and they service a lot of Europe, which is where we based our story. There's obviously the consumer part of this, like, do we care? I mean, it still looks kind of the same. But uh, to answer that question uh, in an informed way, you really need to understand the kind of labour chains that go in behind these items. These are being sold in Australia as well, I assume, not just online. That's exactly it. So you can go into certain stores and pick up a fake item. In fact, in Sydney just last year, a massive luxury fashion reseller was caught accidentally selling fakes and it was quite a scandal. Um, but yes, my, mainly for the people that are really seeking a good quality fake, they're doing it online. You can get a lot of stuff. And most of the advertising is through social media. So it's like t- it's TikTok, it's Instagram. That's you know where a lot of the buyers are coming from. One of the police you interviewed for the story even said that if he were into this kind of thing, uh, this is the kind of crime he'd be doing, which is extraordinary kind of admission by a police officer. Um, It's obviously lucrative. How lucrative? Oh, my goodness. So the latest estimate, it ranges from about $4 trillion a year to $7 trillion a year, and it's just grown every single year um, since, well, since its inception, but particularly since COVID, because so many people were just driven online, it is worth a lot of money. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people aren't thinking about. You know, it's so easy to just look at a bag and think, oh, fantastic. You know, it's come from China. I can just pick it up. That's what it is. But because they're so easy to make and they're so easy to sell and very easy to hide the money, that's why it's the perfect environment for criminal networks to get involved, which is what we found. Yeah. So tell me about some of the links to terrorism and human trafficking. Trafficking. Tell me more. So particularly our focus was looking at the terrorism aspect, which was really interesting. So fun fact, the Charlie Hebdo attacks were actually funded through the sale of fake Nike shoes, which is something that most people wouldn't realise. But um, it's also been linked to, for example, um, Italian mobs in the South. They were involved in the selling of counterfeits for the brand Supreme. They had entire factories churning out very realistic fakes. Um, 
it, there was also uh, Chinese mobs that were involved in, in southern Italy as well, actually, funnily. So there are a lot of links to some very serious crimes there. Are police and international authorities uh, cognizant of where all this um, money is is sort of help, help, what, what this money is helping to fund? Are they coordinated, if you like? They're, they are aware of it, but I think that the problem is this kind of crime takes so much police work to actually track because once the money's gone, it can disappear. And as one of the experts had said to us, it can go around the world two, three times before anyone realises. So yes, there is some work being done on on trying to stop this crime. But I think the big problem it suffers from is that most people don't think of counterfeiting as very serious because you're just seeing that surface level crime. They're not thinking about what's beyond that. So it's not sort of murder or drug offences, even though it is linked to counterfeiting. People just don't take it seriously and as a result it's harder for the police to really invest that time and the, the manpower to, to properly police it. What about the brands themselves? I'm sure there's a, a huge uh, commercial incentive for them to stamp out counterfeits regardless of their ethics around some of the organised crime elements. That is such a good question. So it's a funny thing because there's one argument that it's actually marketing for the brands, right? You're oh. getting the word out and, you know, is it necessarily the case that a person who buys a fake handbag would buy the real thing? Can they afford to? That's, you know... Satisfies a different market. Exactly. Ah. So it is like brand advertising. But on the same, on the other hand, they're also afraid to talk about it because it's about, you know, luxury is built on the idea of something exclusive that people can't attain, that they desire and want. So to then cheapen it with fakes is almost considered a bit tacky. And so they like to, they never like to address it. In fact, when I started looking into this story, I immediately was contacting all of the luxury brands from Chanel through to Balenciaga. Nobody wanted to speak to me. And it's because they know that it's kind of the dirty secret in fashion. Mm. What happens when these fake goods are seized? Are they are they destroyed or do they disappear and then re-emerge on the black market somewhere? They are usually destroyed because it's, you know, there's really not much use for it. So actually when we went to Manchester, which is funnily the counterfeiting capital of Europe. Why? <laughs> That's a good question. It's got a very industrial history. So lots of, it's kind of perfect, actually. It's smack down in the middle of Europe. You've got lots of access to shipping routes, particularly through Liverpool. And there's, you know, a proud sort of manufacturing history there. So they can easily get goods in and sell them out very quickly. But um, when we had gone there, we'd found that really like they were taking the goods and actually trying to recycle them because they had over a thousand tons. So rather than destroy them, they were trying to make them into new things and put them out in the market. Um, but that's a pretty unique approach. Most of the time they just destroy it. Excellent investigation. Looking forward to seeing it tonight on Foreign Correspondence at 8pm or you can catch it anytime on ABC iView. Journalist Naomi Severatham, great to see you. Thank you, Andy. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.